0: This is the Power Profile, stories of world-class leadership hosted by award-winning broadcast journalist and media entrepreneur, Christina Mendonza. Get ready to connect with those defining success.
1: This is the Power Profile, where we look at power in all forms of our personal and professional lives and talk to people who've leveraged power in their own lives. I'm Christina Mendonza. So glad you are here today. Craig Dowden, He's all about studying and coaching executive leaders. He looks at what science knows and what leaders do. He's written for Psychology Today and Forbes. He's been a guest on stages around the world. He's the author of Do Good to Lead Well, The Science and Practice of Positive Leadership. And his brand new book, A Time to Lead, is coming out this September 13th. Leaders have so much on their plates right now between talks of layoffs, supply chain issues, And then the quiet quitting phenomenon that has workers feeling so out of resiliency, they go silent and below the radar, just doing the minimum and believing their leaders don't care about them. For those leading, it's daunting. How do you prove you care about employees who may or may not job hop or ghost or make demands that your business can't support? Navigating this as an employee or an employer Whether you are leading a company or the leader of your own career takes so much energy. And sometimes we need some advice, which is what we're going to get today. I caught up with Craig Dowden from his home in Toronto. I was so excited to talk to you because I I love talking about leadership. I love studying it. And I really appreciate that you bring science uh, into the equation as well. So tell me how you got interested in studying leadership. Where did this interest, this passion come from?
0: Well, thank you, No, And it's uh, it's been a lifelong pursuit for me. and uh, And it started early on where I was just fascinated by people, human behaviors, conversations, how Different people could be in the exact same situation, have an entirely different view on it. And then when I got to university and I learned, I, I enrolled in psychology, I was definitely going down the psychology path. And then I came across the, the field of organizational psychology and business psychology. And then I thought, people have personalities businesses, organizations have personalities. Mm-hmm. If I bring them together, it's going to be a lifelong fascination for me, and I'm going to thoroughly enjoy uh, the opportunity and challenge. So uh, and I wasn't wrong. So it's absolutely been uh, a fantastic learning experience,
1: you know, one of the topics that's really big in the news right now, in fact, we did a segment on our radio show about it is on the quiet quitting, the the concept of quiet quitting. Uh, you know, I want to talk to you about this because Gen Z gets the bad rap for quiet kit quitting, but uh, it's a struggle for leaders to deal with this because, you know, a lot of people feel overburdened. Uh, they, you know, feel like they want more balance in their life. Maybe the wages aren't where they think they, they should be because of inflation. How are leaders dealing with quiet quitting and are they talking to you about this?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's a great point. And I think one of the real challenges, and and I love what you shared as well, because everybody is feeling overwhelmed. There's so much, there's just so many things that we're going through. And that even a couple of years ago, if we had talked pre pandemic about, well, what the world would be like, we couldn't have imagined that this is what we're facing. And for leaders, not only are they dealing with all of their team member challenges, they also have their own uh, struggles and things that they're going through. And so one of the biggest things that are coming out in this conversation is how can we connect and truly understand? And that's one of the core drivers as well. And, and, And in my coaching work and in my speaking work, one of the key themes that continually comes up is that, so how can leaders make space to listen to people on their team and truly understand what's happening, what's important to them, what are the different challenges that they face, where are they doing well, where do they need support. And this can, for many leaders, feel overwhelming when they are stretched. So you're absolutely right that this is a top, top priority. It's certainly something that is top of mind for people. And it comes down to essentially human connections, human conversation and truly getting to know each other and and speaking on an authentic level.
1: You know it reminds me of on an aircraft when they tell you put your own mask on before you assist the person next to you. And it seems like leaders need to focus on their resilience so that they can help fill the resiliency stores of their employees. What are some of the techniques? What, what are some of the things you advise leaders to do to increase their own resiliency as they try to guide their organizations?
0: Well, and it's a brilliant observation I want to go back to as you talk about putting our own mask on first, because one of the obstacles for leaders sometimes is they're so outward focused and wanting to, okay, how do I do this for my team? How do I do that for my team? How do I do this for the people I care about most? And that is, that takes a lot of time and energy and effort. And so an essential component is to ensure self-care. So great leadership starts with great self-leadership. And one of the fundamental things, and I love Uh, The science around this, the Center for Creative Leadership, did an amazing thought piece around the difference between pressure and stress, and I find this is so foundational and so helpful. So they describe, define pressure as the extent of the demands that our external environment places on us. Stress, on the other hand, is our internal manifestation of our belief in our ability to deal with those demands. So what I love about that is is that this explains why two different people who look the same from the outside can have an entirely different stress response. In one situation, they feel overwhelmed. In the other, they feel adequately supported. The resources that they have available are matched to the pressure that they're dealing with. And this unlocks the key for all of us both as leaders as well as leading our team, because then we can start to think about, in what areas of my life am I under-resourced? Where do I need to raise my confidence that I can tackle the challenges that I'm facing? And then the same thing with our team members. We can check in and say, where are things going well? Where are the areas where you need more support? how can I best provide that support to you? And that's such a fundamentally powerful distinction between pressure and stress.
1: Well, and the, I imagine, you know, once you work with your leaders to get them to the point where they can then offer that support to their employees, they, uh, I, I imagine that's the antidote for, for quiet quitting. That's, I mean, if an employee feels like their leader is supportive of them, or at least willing to listen to some of their challenges and make some adjustments that is like a that that is a recipe for for loyalty and for for happiness
0: it's a fantastic connection that you're making christina and, and on the quiet quitting front because where does that come from that comes from i feel overburdened overwhelmed i'm being asked to move beyond my capacity so now by flipping that and saying hey where can I support you? How can I provide you with the resources that you need? Now, what that's going to do is empower people. And it does it in several effective ways. Number one, it shows we care by asking the question, how can I support you? It demonstrates concern. It demonstrates appreciation for the efforts that you bring. And then on top of that, Now I'm driving the conversation. I'm directing my leader to, okay, this is where I need some help. And rather than the leader trying to come up with it on their own, now they're truly tapping into what's most relevant for each of their team members. And now I feel great because like, okay, my leader cares about me and they're concerned and they want to see where, where my emotional gas tank is in terms of my productivity and engagement. And then on top of that, if there are gaps, They're going to provide me with the support that I need. So it's a powerful combination and a great way to to counter the quiet quitting.
1: It was on positive leadership. uh, But, you know, there are still so many businesses out there and companies. And and I'll give you an example. Uh, This has been, you know, a couple of decades ago now. But I remember a general manager gathered. I was working at a TV station, gathered all of us in the same room and said in a very stern manner, this is the way we're going. This is the bus you need to get on. If you don't get on it, find an exit. And that, and there are still companies that are led that way.
0: You're absolutely right. And I think, and what's really interesting is, is that these organizations and people that really adopt a culture of fear, they feel like, well, that's the only way to motivate people. It's the only way to get the best out of people. And what's really powerful is, well, the type of culture you create, well, guess what kinds of behaviors that you instill and cultivate within that culture? And more importantly, and this is really powerful from the research as well, being in a a fear or stress-based response, well, in a very short period of time, like in crisis mode, okay, we can respond as a long term strategy, we're exhausted. It quickly becomes overwhelming. And there's so much powerful research that shows us when we're in a fear based mindset, when we're overcome, our emotions are led by fear, we fail to capitalize on the opportunities in front of us. We don't bring our best to our workplaces. We don't provide suggestions and ideas to leadership that can really help us overcome the obstacles that we're facing. So even though people in some organizations continue to adhere to this philosophy, it's not only just opposite to the right thing to do, the evidence is overwhelming that it leads to the exact opposite effects that they think it's going to provide. It brings the worst out of people as opposed to the best.
1: Mm. What are some examples of inspirational leadership that you've seen, that you, you've said to yourself, wow, that was the right decision, and I love the way this person handled it?
0: Well, I have to say, uh, I had the profound privilege uh, for my next book to collaborate with Alan Mulally, So he's the legendary former CEO of Ford Motor Company and Boeing Commercial Airplanes. And he had an extraordinarily successful career and the widely heralded working together management system. And what I love about it is that the positive leadership qualities that you talked about earlier, they are embedded throughout. So as a quick example... He had a business plan review where everybody who were working in the senior leadership team in the organization would come together. And we have all kinds of different responsibilities to do. And essentially, we would provide an update through colors, green, yellow, and red. Green meaning it's great. Yellow meaning, hey, it's a little off track. We think we've got this. And red, hand up. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh, we're in trouble. (laughs) And I need help. And what I love is, is that when he first came into Ford, and there was a strong resistance about sharing, hey, well, we're, we're having trouble here. And in the very first meeting where he, he introduced this idea of the color-coded reporting system, people were afraid to chime in. And then eventually some, an executive said, you know what, I'm going to share a challenge that we're facing. And they put a red on their chart. And when he was talking to me about it, it was, it was so fascinating. He said, you know, once that red came up on screen, everyone thought that the big iron doors would open and this person would be pulled out. And that's it. That's the end. It was a career ending move. Yeah. What Alan did was applaud. He actually applauded and said, this is exceptional leadership. This is exactly the kind of transparency we need in order to deal with the challenges. Cause We're always going to have some difficulties here, and we need to come together, work together to figure this out. And I think that's such a powerful, powerful approach. And he also shared, which I think is great, you can't manage a secret. The Reds need to come to the forefront quicker rather than slower so we have more time to address it.
1: I like that. You can't manage a secret. Boy, that just makes so, so much sense. Um, what is our responsibility for self-leadership, no matter where we are in the organization?
0: I, I think that's fundamental. We have to take care of ourselves, as you talked about, putting our mask on first. And we have to understand who we are what impact do we want to have on the people around us what legacy do we wish to lead how do we choose to connect with the the teams the divisions and the organizations we lead and so that requires some reflection that requires asking ourselves some powerful questions figuring out what our true north is and and what really inspires us and then, once we've identified that and we've got a very strong foundation upon which to build, then it's about going out and continually checking in with our team members, our stakeholders, our customers, our communities. is our vision for ourselves and the type of leadership legacy we wish to lead leave connected with how people are experiencing us? So it's a life it's truly a lifelong journey of learning and adapting and really embracing uh, the, the the beautiful opportunity of leadership.
1: You know, one of the uh, things that have, has really um, uh, been on uh, in headlines and the focus of a lot of companies is a lot of leaders, they have not only their external audience, but they have their internal audience as well. And in some cases, uh, workers have wanted their leader to be very active out there politically, socially, making statements, uh, that align with a certain political view and other CEOs have resisted that and, and don't want to get into that portion of it. How do you advise leaders on where to step out politically or socially and when to hold back and how much to listen to the workers who want them to do that?
0: And, and it's a great question. And, and what's interesting is each individual may have a different answer to that, and that's entirely OK. What's crucial is to think about, okay, for ourselves, what's authentic? Because one of the surest ways to drive disengagement within ourselves, within our organizations, within our external stakeholders, if you will, is to say one thing and do another. And so what's critical is to be honest with ourselves, with our organizations, with our communities about who we are and what we stand for. So that can mean, you know what, I I feel like I should have a position on a lot of different issues, politically, socially. OK, great. And share the rationale behind that. What makes it an essential part of who you are and your leadership philosophy? Maybe someone else will decide to take Uh, a a more limited approach and so then in that case they're going to stand for three key causes or concerns that they feel are important to them and here's why i'm doing that and this is why i'm not going to do other things what's most essential is in, in building trust which is essential especially in, in these times, is to be true to who we are and let people in on that. And that's what I love as well about the research. People are less concerned about our position on things or or where we're coming from. It's that, so what's the rationale behind it? Can I connect that you are believing in what you're saying? Can I connect with the actions that you're taking are resonating with who you are. That's the critical juncture for everyone.
1: Okay, What do you think is missing in most leadership models these days?
0: I I would say well, one of the interesting pieces is truly appreciating the importance of humility. I I think that is that because a lot of times leaders can assume, well, I need to have the right answer or I have to have an answer for this. And so in a lot of cases, we can miss the opportunity to ask questions, powerful questions of ourselves and of others. And if you look at a lot of the best work that's coming out these days from top thought leaders, it's about, and you see this, adaptability, flexibility. Well, how do we do that? It's by questioning our assumptions, by being open to different information, different points of view. And even if we don't agree with them, we integrate them so we have a more holistic uh, appreciation and approach. And the other thing I would say is is that it's mastering our emotions. We can undervalue and sometimes dismiss, right, the classic expression, it's, it's not personal, it's business. We as human beings, that's the beauty of who we are, and it's the secret sauce. And so rather than ignoring emotions, it's really taking more of a detective orientation, looking to understand rather than judge them. How are we feeling in a particular moment? What's driving that? How can I utilize that insight now to better position myself, not just now, but also in the future?
1: Fascinating. You know, in your study of psychology, did you ever come across a perfect personality for leadership or a group of personality traits that one needs to be a good leader?
0: Well, I, I certainly think uh that empathy is is vital um and and self awareness. I would add both of those and and it fits so nicely into the mastering our mindset, our emotions, and who we are. So the self awareness comes from So who are we as a leader? What's important to me? That is critical because if self-awareness fundamentally is how to the extent to which I'm aware of who I am and how i come across to other people, countless research shows that the more self-aware we are, the more effective we are, because now I can adjust, be flexible to the situation and people that I'm encountering. Then the empathy piece. There was a study of over half a million people that showed that empathy was the third strongest predictor of of effective leadership, and it was the top predictor of ethical leadership. And in today's environment, again, that's of critical importance. And what empathy allows us to do as leaders is truly connect with the people around us as individuals and demonstrate that we care about what their situation is and what's important to them. So I would say that combination of self-awareness And empathy. Uh, Both ends of the spectrum are vital to leadership success.
1: I love that. Okay, so in your book, Do Good to Lead Well, you have chapters on mastering your mindset and mastering resilience, but I, I love this chapter on mastering the art of receiving feedback, because as leaders, we're taught perhaps how to give feedback, and we're used to giving feedback, but receiving feedback, you know, sometimes we need to, as you say, be have humility, but understand how to receive it and put it to work for us.
0: Uh, for sure. And, and and what I love is there's countless books written around how to deliver feedback. And what's fascinating is, is how can we expect other people to receive our feedback well if we're not doing it ourselves? And so I had the profound privilege of speaking with Doug Stone, uh, the best-selling author of Difficult Conversations, and he wrote a book called Thanks for the Feedback. And it's all around how can we put ourselves in the best position to receive the feedback that's around us. And that allows us to understand the impact that we're having on others. And so to do this effectively, we really want to be curious. And rather than throwing out, and to me, one of the most valuable insights for us to consider is that when we receive feedback that we really struggle with, like it's like, oh, it, and, and even triggers me in a defensive way, rather than react, this is a powerful signal saying, hey, this may be connected to my identity. This might actually be a blind spot to me because what, what is making me react So powerfully to this. And so the more that we can receive feedback, well, the more effective that we can be because we get invaluable insight from the people around us.
1: Mm -hmm. Wow. With the way companies are changing and the way we work changing, I mean, I think the pandemic has kind of like, you know, changed everything. What do you see about the future of leadership? What do you see for the future of leadership? What new skills are we going to need? What skills might drop off? And how will we need to be different to lead companies differently?
0: I certainly think we are entering an era where a more humanistic approach to leadership is going to be vital. You talked about quiet quitting. You talk about the great uh, resignation. These are all pieces around where people are fundamentally feeling underappreciated, disconnected from their organizations. And so what leaders and, – and the real difference maker in leaders is about, well, how connected do I feel with the leadership? And so those, quote-unquote, soft skills, which are the hardest to, to, to develop, which is around connection, communication, conversation, demonstrating care and concern – fundamentally connecting on a human level, that's what's gonna drive more and more leaders. And I think what's really interesting as well is that this is what makes it particularly challenging time because being empathetic, demonstrating curiosity, asking questions, that takes time. It takes hard work. And so what it's doing is is stretching leaders in different ways. So now it's going to be really around mastering those qualities, mastering those skills in order to be effective.
1: Mm. You know, there's all sorts of ways that leaders show um, employees and, and workers that they appreciate them. Some of them like will bring in lunch or, you know, there's a bonus or, you know, time off, that sort of thing. Is there a favorite way you have seen a leader show appreciation for those they lead.
0: Uh, uh, well, absolutely, and it may. What's interesting is it can see, sound so simple, yet it's uh, it's an opportunity missed. And what I find sometimes. Is that leaders, and there's research that supports this, a lot of times leaders reward and recognize their employees the way they wish they would be rewarded and recognized. So I'll throw a pizza party, even if it's virtually, because I would love a pizza party, or I'll pull someone up on stage or shine the spotlight on them because I think that would be great. The challenge is not everyone is created the same. So now we can be doing things that people are are not actually seeing as appreciation. And so the best leaders that I work with and I coach, what they will do is ask every member of their team, how can I meaningfully recognize your contribution? How, how appreciated do you feel? Where am I doing a good job? Where could I do a better job? And back to your question before, this is an era whereby truly appreciating and recognizing the individual and connecting with them on what's most important is really the roadmap to success. So the best way to figure out, ask people.
1: All right. Okay. so you recently launched a podcast for people who are, you know, really into more issues of leadership. Tell us about the podcast. Where can they hear it? What is it called?
0: Uh, It's called Do Good to Lead Well, and it's on all of the major uh, streaming platforms, Spotify, Amazon, Apple. And the reason I launched it is is that I have the profound privilege to speak with top CEOs, best-selling authors. And what I wanted to do was provide a forum whereby people could be a part of these conversations and hear these insights. And most importantly, a lot of times what I find and people share with me is that they think, oh, well, I either can be a, a good leader, a nice leader, and my results will struggle, or <laughs> I'm going to drive in the only way to get great results is just to abandon positive leadership. And what I love about and why I was inspired to create the podcast was to show these two things don't compete with each other, doing the right thing drive the right business results. And so providing examples, research, as well as CEOs who follow this and can share their success stories.
1: Well, great. I will provide a link to that podcast in in, uh, in the, the comments when I post this, because I think it's important. Leaders are looking for answers and they're looking for ways to be better and do better for their workforces. So um, as we get ready to close out, I, I'd like to ask you something I ask every one of my guests, which is How do you replenish and recharge your creative energy? You're putting out a lot of, uh, in your writing, your articles, you're on stages all over the world. What habit, hobby, or ritual do you use to replenish your own creativity?
0: Uh, Love the question. And uh, so I'm an avid basketball player, so sports, exercise is really, really great. And and work out at the gym and making sure that that I feed uh, my physical fitness. Also really enjoy reading and and the things that that the books that I share uh, today during our conversation, Christina, I read for pleasure as well. So they are, I love the whole field of human development and and, and peak performance. So I look for articles and ways to enrich myself and also to really reach out and, and seek out engaging conversations, talking about big ideas and, and different challenges and opportunities. So I love doing that. And now that the world is opening up again, certainly travel. What I love about travel is, is that you get to experience different parts of the world, see how people live in different ways, what's similar to where I am and I spend my day-to-day, day day, as well as what's not similar and what lessons can I take from that. So there are many of the ways the top ways that I love to uh to maintain my resilience.
1: All right, and where are you going? I want to know what's on your bucket list for your travel travel list.
0: Uh so certainly uh the Maldives <laughs> if, uh... If all if all works out next year, that's uh, that's that's definitely a, a top destination and also love Hawaii as well. So they're uh, they're big and as you can probably guess, uh, something that's tropical green, green beaches <laughs> and and relaxing. there's something. I'm from Newfoundland, Canada originally, so right on the water. So certainly I am uh, the ocean is is replenishing for me and just love spending time. So a warmer ocean is is awesome.
1: Yeah, here it gets pretty cold up there in Canada. <laughs>
0: this, yeah, exactly. This is I'm sure people get going to empathize, uh, you don't come for the weather. I'm, the summer can be okay, but yes, it's uh, it's it's not where you go for a weather destination.
1: All right, Craig Dowden, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure to speak with you. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much, Christina. The pleasure was all mine. Great opportunity to to chat.
1: I hope you enjoyed our conversation with Craig Dowden. His new book, A Time to Lead, will be out September 13th, a must read for leaders and those interested in professional development, really encapsulating all of the lessons from the past couple of years. Well, it's been a long, hot summer, and I'm so excited for fall, not only for the seasonal change, which fall is, I think, my favorite season of all but also for upcoming projects and opportunities to work with some amazing leaders. The Power Profile video projects are highlighting leaders and they are underway. If you haven't heard about my Power Profile video projects, they create excitement around your business and yourself as a leader. They establish you as a thought leader in your field, build credibility with your existing audience, reach audiences that were previously outside your sphere of influence, and really connect your vision and philosophy to your customers, world. Reach out to me for a Power Profile consult through my website at mendonzamedia.com. And thanks for being here for the Power Profile podcast. I'm Christina Mendonza. Stay powerful.
0: This has been the Power Profile with Christina Mendonza. Stay connected through mendonzamedia.com.